This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we are coming off the high of a 76 to 74 win against the drumroll, please. Mm. Big East champs, the Providence Friars. What an environment at the Finn. How are you doing? Tell us about the game. Tell us how you're feeling. Oh, I am still riding high <laughs> a, a night later after that one. It was a, a fun environment to be in, even with you know most of the students gone on spring break. I thought the Finn did a very nice job at getting into that game. Villanova certainly needed a wake-up call in the second half uh, as Providence was storming back. Uh, I'm pumped you know, to, to be able to sweep Providence, a team that did take home the Big East regular season title, a, that really, really stings Providence fans, which is just wonderful. Um, <laughs> the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And two, it's a blow on their resume when it comes to the NCAA tournament uh, that they, uh, of course, won the conference, but did fall to Villanova twice. Yes, they have a chance to make up for that with a run at the Garden next weekend. But whew, this one feels good. I feel really good. I was so pumped coming out of that game last night. Oh, it must have been awesome. And we talked about it on Tuesday's episode we have to give the fans a heck of a lot of credit mm-hmm. because that place did not look like it was the middle of spring break. No, no, it was packed. It, it was, it, it was full capacity. Uh, they, everyone did a really good job. Way to go Nova nation. Yeah, it was fun. It was a really, really fun game to watch. Of course, didn't rival the dunk, but that <laughs> shouldn't have been the expectation. But yeah, I, uh, somebody tweeted, I'm sure you'll know this. It's the second time that Villanova hasn't won the regular season title, but has swept the winner. Do you remember uh, that stat right off the top of your head? I believe it's that when they came in second uh, in the regular season, swept the uh, the regular season title winner. And the last time, if I'm uh, on the same page as you, was 2018 against Xavier. And uh, that was a good year. That sounds about right. Maybe yeah. we have some good karma this time around. Yeah, that would be pretty good. We can so, only hope. Yeah, what a night. What a game. The Twitter world, I think, was feeling pretty good after. If Seemed you... Like we're watching the game. You might've seen some asterisks at the beginning of the Ooh. broadcast. We'll talk about that. What could that be for? I had no idea. No <laughs> idea. My family was very quiet in the group chat for all those following along. Definitely an ego hit, like you said. And similar to what we were talking about with UConn, about how much bigger 
of a deal for UConn that resume win was as opposed to this loss for Nova. I kind of feel like that this way around. It would have been absolutely ginormous for Providence to beat Nova at home. Instead, Nova gets two nice wins over Providence. And now I feel like the seeding is back to Villanova being the superior team, even though Providence won the regular season crown. Yeah, I, I firmly believe Villanova will be slotted ahead of Providence come Selection Sunday, barring, of again, what happens next week. It's so hard to, to fully make these proclamations without a full, uh, you know, knowing exactly how this thing shapes out. I mean, in other important ways, too, that was Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuel's last game at the Finneran mm-hmm. Pavilion. So great to send them out as winners there. And I kind of like where you were going with it, where we can even start with, uh, like, how does this matter? you know, for, for Villanova getting the win. Cause yes, you know, they, they locked into the two seed there. Of course they weren't still chasing uh, the biggest regular season title. Cause Providence had locked that up this past weekend, but it does matter, especially in terms of seeding, because just today, Joe Lenardi put out his latest bracketology and Villanova has moved up to the two line coming mm-hmm. off of that win over Providence and Purdue lost as well. Now, as we've talked about, that may actually be a bad thing <laughs> for Villanova in terms of trying to get put into the Eastern region, but you know, it matters for seeding and, and Providence is going to take a little bit of a hit for it. And as I said before, it also matters just in terms that Villanova fans, you know, are just going to hold this over PC fans that uh, oh, even though always. they finally yeah. got their regular season title, they were not able to uh, to take down Villanova. Yeah, you're so right about making proclamations about things that haven't happened yet, because yeah, I just tough. have this feeling that every single conference tournament is going to go to the wayside everything I think is truly going to be insane and we might see some shakeups maybe it won't be that many teams changing between one and four like I think that upper echelon is pretty locked in but the difference between Villanova being a two or a three or even a four is pretty minute so Mm -hmm. I think it's going to come down to for Villanova just kind of keeping its course not making any huge mistakes not making any huge ruffles and they will probably be in that two to three range. And Providence, they would need a few big ones in the tournament to get themselves back into that three seed category. Yeah, if not four. I I think so. And I think the biggest thing here and the biggest bummer is that Villanova stays at the two seed in the Big East tournament, and that is really really important and crucial because they're if things shake out the way that we think things are going to shake out, they're going to have a Friday night date with UConn. And that is not the matchup that any Villanova should want to see. Providence certainly will have the more favorable side of the Big East bracket. And that's not to say anything is favorable with how this conference has shaped out this year. But avoiding the Huskies should have been or should be uh, what Villanova wants to do at all costs because we know about how much of a matchup problem they are. And uh, Providence does get the last laugh in that sense that they did lock up that one seed. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. What, who, who, who are the four of the five? Is it Seen Hall Marquette? In Seen Hall, I believe. Yes, that's. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to say yeah. it for sure. It could flip flop too. But the four and the five play each other anyway. So yeah, and they would that that matchup is much more favorable, obviously. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you first, talking about how much it mattered, talking about how we will look back at this game. Oh, actually, before I even get into that, how emotional were you when we said goodbye to the seniors at the end of the game? Mm, it was tough. It was uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad. So if, if you saw it coming out, I'm imagining it was on TV. Uh, there were some pictures that came out there, too. 
of, uh, you know, the seniors going up uh, and, and standing in front of the student section in front of the stance and going up there kind of on their own to uh, with the fight song playing in the background. Mm-hmm. It was great. I mean, that class. Yes, of course, Gillespie and Samuels, we know everything that they mean to their Demir Cosby Roundtree has been a part of this program forever as well. And it, it's, of course, so unfortunate what happened with injuries and Brandon Slater continue to develop year after year of course can still come back but gets his moment there and Caleb Daniels who is unavoidable to talk about (laughs) after this game he has turned into such a good Villanova player even though he was a transfer um that that's a special senior class and that was it's a special picture and a a special moment for those guys all of them have made their mark it it seems like every year there are the big guys and then the guys that fade into the background a little bit and I don't feel like there was a ton of deviation between those types of players every single one of those guys made their mark in some way shape or form and you're right things are going to be different in the future depending on whether guys come back and what that decision looks like but this was the start of it. It feels like we, I feel like I've known Colin Gillespie for 15 years of my life. That's how long he's been around. Yeah, it's because you have, trust me. (laughs) And we will uh, certainly have a lot to say about Caleb down the stretch of this Mm -hmm. episode. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, talking about how this game matters, how we're going to view this game in the future, was Providence lucky all season long or all day (laughs) legit? I ask you again, and I wonder if your answer has changed from Tuesday. Uh, my answer has not changed from Tuesday, that it is certainly a combination of both. It is impossible to fully analyze this game as well without saying that Al Durham did not play. And Al mm-hmm. Durham is so Good important point. to everything that Providence does. Um, I can't say I came out of this game thinking anything different than Providence. They've had a bunch of breaks. They've taken advantage of all those breaks, which is not something that always happens. They're really good at, cl- at you know being able to close things out. For Providence to be able to fight back in that game without Al Durham from a 14-point deficit, really impressive and shows the fight that that squad really has. It is a good Providence team. It's just not they're not one of the best teams in the country, and I feel comfortable saying that. I mean, to take it even farther, it's one of the best Providence teams Providence has ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're still not one of the best teams in the country. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there was anything specifically in this game that Villanova fans could point out and say, oh, that's it. That's why they're lucky. I thought it was relatively clean in that sense. I actually, I think it was the full 40s tweet that I saw first. So props to them to be in the breaking news that Al Durham was in day close. And my thought immediately went to, oh my God, Pat and I spent half of the episode on (laughs) Tuesday talking about how Providence is going to give their full effort and it would just be a travesty if they didn't and it would be embarrassing. And now here Al Durham is sitting out. They did end up saying it was because of a sports hernia. Yeah. I wonder, I think it's worth saying that I wonder what his full strength really was at knowing that they had already locked up the one seed. I'm still willing to give Providence the benefit of the doubt that if he had been fully healthy, he would have been playing. But you're right that this game isn't a full picture because having Durham and then having Bynum off the bench is such a lethal combination mm-hmm. that we didn't get to see. No, I, yeah, I, I actually agree with Cooley here and not playing Durham. And it wasn't yeah. about, uh, you know, not playing the guys and trying to rest them for the tournament because he played everyone else. Durham is legitimately hurt. And we, you mm-hmm. know, it, the past couple of games, 
where I, I can't pinpoint the game in my head where he did injure it, but I remember watching and seeing him limp around a little bit. Yeah, but it's maybe, like every single game. If you've ever yeah, seen this true. guy play, he's literally hunchback by the end of the it. The cramps that you see from him too, you know. <laughs> it's, it's actually laughable how he's many a fighter. times he's on the floor. He's a warrior. I, I respect him so much, but I, I think in Durham's case, it most certainly made sense to hold the guy out, give him some extra rest, let him heal up for the Big East tournament. Everyone mm-hmm. else, I, I agree with kind of going full bore like uh, Cooley did. Yeah, and they certainly played, right? Oh, yes, they I did. I think Bynum had 39 minutes, something in that range. Um, Porkler yeah. had 39. Manaya yeah, had 38. It was a full, a full-fledged effort. And I think mm-hmm. that's exactly what we expected. And they certainly made it close. Once again, Providence proved that they will not make it easy. I think if anything, this game upped my ante of what Providence can do because I haven't seen them shoot that well from three in a long time. <laughs> right? Man, I mean, man, was I impressed. It was a really, really impressive showing, especially coming down, especially being down at the half, knowing how good Villanova is out of the half, and for Providence to be able to steal the momentum the way they did, things were looking grim for a second. For a sneak peek kind of behind the curtain for people, for last episode on Tuesday, we had a bunch of questions with Providence, and, and the episode was going a little longer, so we sped things up. One of the questions was going to be, which A.J. Reeves was going to show up for Providence because Reeves in January had some injury issues and was just very ineffective, wasn't able to hit anything. But Reeves lately has been phenomenal and been an absolute three-point assassin. I think we know which AJ Reeves showed up on Tuesday night at the Federal Pavilion. Uh, He was killing it from outside. He had five threes. Horkler the same with five threes. And the funny thing with Providence too is it was the same look every single time. (laughs) It was running them off of a screen and just getting a, a shot in motion and it just seemed that Reeves and Horkler, other than Horkler's big trailing three uh, in the second half, they just hit all of them. Um, yeah. And especially coming out of the gate, I think Providence went out to, was it a 9-2 lead? Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. To begin, because they hit their first three threes. Um, they came out firing from beyond the arc. It is not what I expected. I talked you through on Tuesday that Ed Cooley has to go to Nate Watson after seeing what he did uh, in game one. They'd be crazy to not go inside and try to drill Villanova. They didn't go inside very often at all. And I have some more numbers on that that we can get to later. This was all about the three ball for them and shooting 47% and hitting 15 of them. Yeah. I can't say that's what I was planning on seeing on Tuesday. Yeah. And it helps make them look much less crazy when they do shoot that high, Mm -hmm. shoot that high of a percentage. So I, I think it's absolutely fascinating the way that this team works and how seemingly on the flip of a coin, Nate, Nate Watson can be the guy or he can be a non-entity and Horkler, Manaya had a really good game. Horkler, Manaya, Reeves, Bynum can step up and still power this offense to 74 points, which I think exceeded both, both of our predictions for how high scoring of a game this would be. I still think Nate Watson wasn't used as effectively as he could have been. But again, when you're getting that shot and when Reeves is as hot as he is, that's what makes me think that Providence might be able to catch lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. They might be able to push some teams to the brink in March because when guys are that hot and you're going out to nine, two leads and the other opposing offense doesn't have the same type of momentum, it's it's tough to climb back from. 
Sure. Yeah. No, the question for them in March is going to be how many times can you play with fire and not get burnt, which yeah. has been the Providence kind of mantra all season long with all of these close victories and, and some close victories over some some very subpar teams as well that they've allowed to hang in there. Of course, the flip side of it is that they find ways to win all they of those won. games. Yeah. But uh, to your point about Nate Watson and going from two, this was actually a, a really big development for Villanova in this game was if you go back to game one at the dunk, Providence torched Nova from two and from in the paint. And they shot 64% against Villanova in that game. On Tuesday night, they held the Friars to just 42%. A 22% decrease there from two is a pretty big deal. So I do want to say, you know, props and hats off to kind of the interior defense there because Providence wasn't able to get the looks that they were able to get in this matchup part one. And it forced them to go out from three. They made a heck of a lot of them, which probably isn't great for, for game plan wise, but Villanova came into this game saying we're not going to allow Providence to burn us from inside as they did uh, just a couple weeks ago. They succeeded. Yeah. And we thought it was going to be the opposite, right? I really did. I verbatim said, I don't care how many points Villanova score. Excuse me. I don't know why I said that. I don't care how (laughs) many points Nate Watson scores as long as they don't go off from three. And the complete opposite happened, but it ended up working out in the favor. It's just such a toss-up. Yes, I'm really happy. I think this was a strong defensive showing from Villanova, especially that interior presence that you just talked about. That's a great stat. Again, Al Durham's really good from scoring inside the paint, so maybe Mm. that number would have been slightly higher if he had played, but I think it was another check in the box for Dixon. He was able to conquer this beast of when Nate Watson had kind of controlled him before, even though Villanova was able to get the win at the dunk, obviously, but he was on from offense from an offensive standpoint from the beginning. And I just, I truly think that when he gets going down low on offense, he gets so much better on the defensive end and they're able to set themselves. And at times I thought their three point defense was porous, Mm -hmm. but they did a good enough job against the big men that it worked out. They did. And then what they also did defensively that I thought was really important. They forced a ton of turnovers, 16 was is you know obviously a lot to force on Providence in this game I thought Brandon Slater did a really good job using active hands for it and another game plan thing that I I can't say for sure but I have a feeling was a part of it was when Providence was looking for those entry passes into the post or into the you know high elbow somewhere around there Nova was looking to jump those lanes every time and it's cheating absolutely because if you get beat it's a free layup but Providence wasn't able to just have easy dump offs into the post. And I think that was a huge reason why they weren't able to crush Nova down there was, well, yes, it can certainly be risk reward. It paid off on Tuesday and that they were able to force so many turnovers and not let them get into a groove. Yeah. And Providence is one of the oldest teams in the country, but yes. they make, they make turnovers as if they're a young team. And Four that's from Bynum. That's way too many. One point guard. hundred percent going to hold them back. 100%. So something I was going to say at the beginning, one of my opening questions, then I decided to go with the asterisk <laughs> points, but Providence out rebounded, out assisted, out shot and out blocked Volnova and still came away with the loss. And the two big reasons why mm-hmm. Villanova was able to come in with the win, despite being outdone in all those categories, was that they turned the ball over way less than Providence did. They took much better care of the ball, and they out-free-throw shot them. <laughs> Which, again, are Villanova's two biggest advantages. That's what they use to just – what's the – Everybody compares Villanova to a surgeon, all the writers. They're so surgically precise 
with the ball. They find ways to cut their opponents open. Again, I, I actually think this deserves its own segment. They closed well, and they were able to wear Providence down so that they did make mistakes. They did cheat on those passes, and it all worked out again. Yeah, I, I say I wasn't even going to focus too much on the free throws, but they have to be brought up just only yeah. because they've been said so many times this year. But 21 of 25 from the line compared to 9 of 12. It, it's and why Caleb Villanova was six won again. For six. Yeah. yeah. It's why Nova won again is because they really just exploit it. And it, it is so impressive. Yeah. I want to talk about Caleb right this second. Oh, let's do it. I've, I've been waiting. So let's, let's go for it. You've just been sitting there twiddling your thumbs. And <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, come on, it's gotta be Caleb time. Right. Oh my God. I mean, Slater and Samuels deserved all the hype they were getting and all the talk they were getting about being that X factor, but it is without a doubt Caleb Daniels on March 2nd, as Pat and I record right now. And he's done it for the past five or six games mm-hmm. at least. What, what do you think? When do you think the change happened and why did it happen so drastically for now him being one of the most important contributors on this team? Uh, it's, it's such an interesting question. For me, it felt like he started to really get into his groove the second Big East play kind of went in mm. and kind of the intensity ramped up there not to say he didn't have good performances earlier in the season as well though especially at the start he certainly struggled but he did put up 17 against Purdue there and then since then he has just continually grown more and more into this offense he's had to step in you know with injuries happening to both lead guards to Slater of course had to deal with the ankle and really though he played wasn't featuring that much Um, Jay has shown more of an inclination of going smaller as we have talked about recently uh, and and has allowed him to continue to grow his role here. And what we've seen is a player that 100% has the ability to impact games and impact games in a really big way, as we saw against Providence, you know, 20 points, as you alluded to six of six from the foul line, which was so key, by the way, the guts and the strength to just a week ago be the one that missed the front end of the one and one. And then of course, UConn goes on to win that game to be put in a very similar position just a week later and to hit everything, Mm a lot of mental resilience and a lot of mental toughness there. And on top of that, 14 of his 20 points came in the second half when Villanova desperately needed someone to come through for them. Is Caleb becoming the closer? Be careful there. Be careful. But I, I'm comfortable with the ball in his hands late. I yeah. am. Um, yes, I still want Colin Gillespie taking those shots, but Caleb is most certainly an option down the stretch when they need it. And he has just continued to grow more and more. Actually, the 20 points were the most he's ever scored in a Villanova uniform. Fun fact. Is that right? It is. I, I went back and looked over the last two years. Wow. I didn't, Unless I missed something. but I didn't think that. No, I believe you. It's just interesting that especially on his – quote unquote senior night that's cool too yeah villanova um, uniform remember because tulane he went off so he yes, was a but... <laughs> little bit more of a score there. Yes. oh yeah um i really like all your points he was allowed to take on more responsibility mm-hmm. right he was trusted and we've used that word trust so often with caleb over the last two years and look how much we've grown to trust him and along with the Stepping up in injury absence, I think is a really, really good point. And then also having to be that big man when Jay decides to go small is so important. You're becoming the leader, the accountability person on the court. Also, people rack your brains for a second. For the last time, Caleb Daniels got in foul trouble. Because 
I haven't talked about it in at least two months, right? He is becoming so much smarter with his decision-making in terms of what is too, too aggressive of a move to make, what offensive foul shouldn't be made, what charge shouldn't be made, which all, you can go down the list. He's becoming so much smarter, which allows him to have more flexibility offensively and defensively. And he's just taking and making much crazier shots than he ever used to. So I think it's a collection of all those things. And now, again, we're talking about Daniels being one of the most important players on this team. And we weren't even in that hemisphere at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. Yeah, his progression has been so impressive and just so great to watch as well. I'm, I'm so yeah. happy to, uh, to see it, especially where he was at the beginning of the year. Remember, that was a place where a lot of people focused on for Villanova and said Caleb Daniels wasn't giving enough. Heck, we talked about it, that we, we expected more from him. And the player that he's grown into, over, especially over the second half of the season, it is a huge reason why Villanova is where they are right now, positioned in you know a, an opportunity to grab a two or a three seed come the NCAA tournament. Totally agree. And Slater and progression has been the synonym all season long. I think Mm -hmm. we need to, we need to extend that to Daniels now as well. Yeah. And speaking of Slater, I can't go any further without mentioning the dunk from, uh, from I mean, because I can't even imagine the noise that came out of you when he put down that dunk. Uh, There were many thinking about it, many sounds that I cannot recreate um, (laughs) right now. Cause luckily I, we were lucky enough that it was on our side too. Okay, Uh, So it was right in front of us and uh, Oh my God. It was so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Go sleep. So cool. Caleb had a really good one too. He did. He did. No, I, I I was impressed. So it's uh, it's all good. Did you want to go anywhere else here? Yeah. Just a couple things. Um, First off, you know, we talked about Caleb Daniels in closing things out. Eric Dixon, he did it Mm. again. He had to go to the foul line in a, of course, not a hostile environment, but in a very hostile game, uh, you know, with people on edge and against Providence, man steps up to the foul line and drills his foul shots again and again and again. And I don't care that he's a sophomore. He's just so cool and collected, sometimes too cool and collected, by the way, um, (laughs) where I'd like to see more urgency out of him. But he is just so cool and collected and he continues to get it done. And I I, that was really impressive because that is a pressure packed moment. Yeah. Composure. That's what's going to make this team go far. Uh, Absolutely. And, And I actually think that extends even more comprehensively than just Dixon the way that Villanova was able to fight back every single time Providence went on one of those hot streaks. That hasn't happened in every single game that Nova's had. They've let teams get away, and they did not let Providence get away on Tuesday, and that was my favorite part of watching this game. They stayed in it every single time. Even when their shots didn't fall, they found ways to get to the line so that they could sink those free throws, and the defense just shored up enough to bring Providence back down to earth and then they let them make their own mistakes. So I I thought it was a really vintage Nova composure performance. Mm -hmm. No, for certainly. And you know, I, I I have to mention it because I've been an advocate for him all year. Jordan Longino played. um, Yeah. Seven minutes. Not bad at all. And while I have a feeling it was more the product of some foul trouble with uh, Slater and Mm -hmm. Samuels going through that, I thought he, he produced some really good minutes in, in seven minutes. And I was impressed what I saw defensively. He had his pull-up jumper. Um, I, I want to continue to see him play a little bit. We know that's a thing. We don't need to spend time on the bench, but he did deserve a shout-out for, for getting some minutes, and I thought playing some productive minutes. Yeah, it's almost it almost hurts more to watch him play. I, I feel like I'm there. It hurts more because every time 
I'm wondering why we're not seeing more. Yeah. I... <laughs> and you just got to live with that. And also, I, I do feel like it's worth mentioning because we've gotten a lot of questions about it. I think, I guess you and I haven't actually explicitly talked about it. Brian Antoine in Brian Antoine's injury is keeping him out in my mind. Do you agree? Ooh, uh, no, I don't. Really? I think, I think it's past that. I think he does. Jay doesn't trust him. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know you felt that way. Yeah. I think he's past that at this point. Cause the injury, he it's been enough time at this point that he, uh, he should be out there if he, uh, if it was just that. Yeah. So do you mean trust as in, Jay's nervous that he's going to make a mistake or that he's been out for so long that the conditioning isn't there. The practice time isn't there. And he wouldn't be able to make a positive impact on the court. I think he does not trust him um, more mistake wise, which yeah. listen, I, we could debate this all day with Chris Archdiakono playing over Brian Antoine. I could not disagree with it more, but I, I don't think we, uh, we need to rehash all of that again. <laughs> was there, was there a specific moment? Or do you think it was spurned by the injury and then it just kind of bulldozed from Spurned by the injury. Yeah, because remember, Chris was out of the rotation. Right. Um, And then Antoine got injured. Chris came back in. And then Antoine came back and Chris stayed in and and Brian basically was out. So I I think that the injury is certainly what accelerated things. But um, I don't agree with it. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, they beat Providence and that's, that's what we're looking at. No, yeah, I wanted to make sure that I just didn't miss anything because yeah. I don't feel like he ever got significant time to come back from that injury. It was once Chris came back in, it was kind of Chris all the way through. From uh, your inclination would be correct. Um, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then I, I did want to hit one more thing on Cooley before we transfer here. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of transferring, actually, um, talking about Cooley, I do think he should probably be your national coach of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. just with what he's been able to turn Providence into. Um, I love uh, Texas Tech as a shout, too, with Mark Adams, just with their demise being made out with Chris Beard leaving to go to Texas and them having the year that they've had. But Cooley probably would be my guy there. And just looking at – it's so interesting to analyze him because it is a departure from what Jay's doing where he navigates the transfer portal and has really helped build this roster, this very talented roster through transfers. You know, Jared Bynum was a transfer, and Bynum's progression has been unreal this year with, like, more than doubling his points. This is my favorite stat, going from a 12% three-point shooter to a 44% three-point shooter. is Semi-minor. <laughs> out of these worlds. Um, you know, you've got Ed Crosswell, you've got Noah Horkler. He has gone to the transfer portal and really built this team through – Recruiting, as you can see with like an AJ Reeves, as well as the transfer portal. And what I liked about Cooley too, even though this did not work out, is Villanova was not shooting very well from three. What they finished, nine for 27, I want to say from deep. So what Cooley did down the stretch is he stared down Villanova and challenged them and said, I don't believe you can make threes here. And he switched to a two, three zone to try to take away Villanova getting into the interior. And what did they do? Justin Moore steps up and hits back-to-back threes uh, after Colin Gillespie is able to pull the zone over a little bit. That really impressed me, A, from Villanova, and two, I love that even though it didn't work for Cooley, I love taking the uh, the risk there and going for it to try and exploit something that that seemed like a weakness. Interesting. I wonder if he feels the same way. I wonder if he does too. (laughs) (laughs) If he's happy with that choice or if he feels like it's a mistake. Wow, I really like that because he's been – super candid about how his mistakes have cost his teams, his team games in in the past. So I wonder, 
what he thinks there, but I, I think it's a really valid point. I also think he wins national coach of the year. I wonder how sustainable this process is. And I guess you have to think for the next three, four, five years, the transfer portal will continue to be re- very robust, mm. which gives opportunities to teams like Providence and all the other teams that are succeeding this year, because you have so many more options than just the internal pool that you would have. But you got to think that Providence has to grab it when they can, because it doesn't always come around. And this year they have to give them credit. They have. But when you saw, I think right before, yeah, you you actually didn't see it, but right before the game started, they showed the splits between before Cooley and after Cooley. And they're Mm. remarkable because before Cooley, the school was, wasn't really anything after uh, Billy Donovan. Shots fired. (laughs) After Billy Donovan, come on. Um, But a lot of people were wondering how high the ceiling would be with him at the helm. And I think he switched that narrative around this season for sure. Yeah. I'm a huge Cooley guy. So that's why I kind of wanted to give him his props for, uh, for the roster he's built and being able to take gambles and, and and be intricate with game planning and things like that. Um, I just think Villanova is a better team. (laughs) I like that. I really like that gambling point. That's actually a really good, good shout by you. Why? Thank you. I wanted to make sure we get it in. So went, went for it, but that's all I wanted to hit on Providence. Yeah, I'm good too. All right. Well, before we move into our Butler preview, then we have a quick note from one of our sponsors here. Exciting news from 19.9 creates original designs tailored to the nostalgia of the epic moments in college basketball history. They celebrate the eras, players, coaches, and the rivalries that make college basketball the sport we love. And speaking of rivalries, check out the apparel collection from 19.9 of Villanova and the University of Connecticut hot off their classic game just a week ago. 19.9 restocked your favorite apparel and added some new vintage items. So go to 19.9.com. That's numbers one nine and the word nine, all one word.com or follow the link in the description to grab the nostalgic gear you need. So uh, we had a pretty robust conversation about Providence. Not sure <laughs> we can say the same thing about what we're going to talk about with Butler. <laughs> well, what I can give the biggest thing for this game is that Colin Gillespie will tie Villanova's record for most games played ever by a player. He will tie Phil Booth here at, I believe it's 148. I should have it in front of me, but I don't see the 148 or 149. Um, so that's exciting <laughs> for us to go off of there. And the other thing for Nova is you don't want to have a bad loss on your resume moving yeah. into towards selection Sunday and losing to Butler would be nothing short of a very bad loss. And a tinkle. So again, we cannot count it out. And it's another very big thing for us because next Tuesday we will have the full State of the Nova Nation full 40 pick them. And I haven't checked recently, but again, Chris from the full 40 had Butler beating Villanova at Hinkle. So that would very likely shake things up. And remember, Big East Tournament does play into it as well. Um, So we're not So we just picked winners. Yeah, yeah, winners. Yes, Uh, but yeah, of course. Big, uh, it'll be a big uh, measuring stick as we finish the regular season to see where everyone's headed. And it's funny because we've talked about Butler a little bit lately. And what have we said about them? Oh, they're playing better of late. Yeah, Um, big second half kick. (laughs) Yeah, they're still terrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's be straight. They are 13 and 17, 6 and 13 in conference. And as much as we say they are playing better of late, they've still lost their last four games and seven of their last nine. So it's not exactly good. Uh, They've just been able to hang around 
in games a little more. Providence went to overtime, six-point loss to uh, Seton Hall, nine-point loss to Marquette. They had the possibly most shocking result of the season, beating Marquette a little earlier in February, most shocking result of the season before Georgetown goes out and beats Xavier. Uh, this weekend. I'm kidding. I think um, <laughs> for Saturday. And then I literally have one more note on Butler. Um, they are 337th in the country in points per game. They are putrid on yeah. offense. Villanova, it, as much as the game doesn't really mean too much other than trying to avoid that bad loss and being at Hinkle, they cannot lose to Butler. This team is awful. Yeah, when you said that last, uh, what was the number for offense? 337th out of 358 teams. Yikes. I yeah. thought that was going to be the tempo number at first because oh, their, no. their tempo was 160. Uh, I'm sorry. That was, that was their luck. Their tempo is 341. Yeah. So they play almost as slow as Villanova does, but they just have a hard time scoring the basketball. Yeah. And that's why none of their point totals have been really over 70 the entire season. Yeah. Chuck Harris can hurt you. Bo Hodges can hurt you. Uh, absolutely. Bryce Enzi can shoot it or Bryce golden, excuse me, can shoot it a little bit from deep and, and Jire Bolden. I mean, is just so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get going into a game with him. So they have some guys that can sting, but it, this is a game that Villanova has to win quite simply. Yeah, their defense is that is pretty good. They have a top 100. They'll fight. In the yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they just can't score. Um, That's why they've been able to even stick around in games, but they can't score. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think Chuck Harris is their leading scorer. I think he averages 10.4. That sounds and when you about, think about right. How many Villanova players average more than 10.4 points? I think that adds a pretty good perspective there. I would say so. <laughs> and maybe our closing point. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm good. I, I'm excited to watch a game being played at Hinkle. I hope it's not close. I don't expect it to be close. And I think Villanova needs this last stamping, dominant, wire-to-wire game to close out this season. Just take care of business, boys. That's <laughs> yep. all we ask there. So that moves into looking around the Big East then for Saturday. And Saturday, Providence, the only team not playing this weekend, the last day of the regular season in the conference. You know, so, some fun matchups. Actually, the best part about it is that the games are staggered starting at mm-hmm. noon and the last one tipping off at nine. So we love that. Yeah. If you're, if you're not doing anything on Saturday, you are now because you've got Clap Big East. down on that couch. <laughs> you've yeah. got Big East action all day long. Uh, is there any game in particular you're really going to be watching, of course, other than Villanova? So I think Seton Hall and Creighton is yeah. probably the obvious one. I was going to say St. John's Marquette, and I probably would have said that game a month ago, but I'm going to say it now to have it on the record. I'm sick of being hurt by St. John's. Mm. So I'm not going to let them take <laughs> sick that. Sick of being me. let down. I'm sick of being let down. And of course that means they're going to go out and win a shocker over Marquette, which at this point, obviously, Marquette has lost a little bit of that shine, so it wouldn't be a gigantic win like it would have when Marquette blew off seven wins. But uh, yeah, Seton Hall Creighton, it's at Creighton. We know how hostile of an environment that is. I wonder how far Jared Roden can take this team. That's Mm. the question I keep asking myself. Hey, listen, as we go to the Big East tournament, people forget that St. John's was your 2020 champion the last time there were fans in the stands for that one half. Uh, when they were leading Creighton. So they're your 2020 Big East tournament champion. Um, I don't think they want that. <laughs> um, you're, no, you're right. Seton Hall Creighton is the game that I was looking at. And it's mostly because 
uh, kind of to your point, I want to see Seton Hall and I want to see, mm-hmm. is this team going to stay hot? Is it going to have a nice road win against Creighton leading into the tournament uh, to see if they're a little tougher of an out that I thought they were going to be. And yeah, in all honesty, I, I am interested in that Georgetown Xavier game. I, I was just, just going to say we have to end on Georgetown. <laughs> no, we do also, because I don't know about you, but I, I found it a little bizarre that Georgetown put out a press release today, um, you know, backing Patrick Ewing, mm-hmm. but also not explicitly saying that like he's a hundred percent coming back and we're, uh, we're investigating everything about the men's basketball program. It felt very weird. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll put it that way. I'm actually going to read some of the language because I'm really glad we're talking about this. And I was also very confused because when I saw it for the first time, my immediate thought was that something had happened. Mm -hmm, That he was stepping down after the season. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, what a insane timing because Pat and I had just talked about it. We all share the disappointment of a difficult season and this ever evolving landscape of college athletics. I thought, oh, my God, that means that is the. erudite way of saying mm-hmm. that we're parting ways we're letting Ewing go but then they they double down and they're saying that they're committed to coach Ewing and they're going to work with him to recruit better and <laughs> have their stay rate be higher so yeah I thought it was an interesting to say the least way to go about it uh but I guess we have our answer now I, I guess so yeah I, I should have said with uh, yes they of course they backed him here so it, it does yeah. look like he's coming back here I, I do wonder what happens though if if what what happens if they have transfer a lot of transfers again you know the, this summer. It, so would that be Muhammad? Would Aminu Muhammad? Transfer? If Aminu Muhammad transfers, every single alarm bell has to go off. Um, and you know what? If that happens, I would think it was something about Ewing. Yeah, it has to be at that point. Yeah, yeah, it, because. It we start to get to a point where yeah, losing sucks, but if you believe in the culture, if you believe in the coach you realize that this is still the very early stages and it feels like every year we get a whole rebuild. So you wonder when it's actually going to start happening. Yeah. So that just an interesting, strange kind of piece of news that I, I know we wanted to hit on here. Because yeah. I'm, I'm glad we talked about that. I wonder if that was going to come up. <laughs> no, had to, had to. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, we have a robust list of questions oh my God, that yes. I am so excited to get to. It's that type of se- it's that time of the season. People are just as psyched as we are about March, Pat. Yeah, thank you to everyone for submitting your questions. We we love it when you guys interact with us, and we absolutely love answering your questions. So this is going to be fun. You want to you want us to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, starting with Matt Berger, who's actually got two right now, uh, asking about kind of inbounding and asked if we are encouraged by what we saw last night. I actually didn't make the conscious thought, which I think answers Matt's question very well. (laughs) I didn't have a conscious thought that the inbounding was terrible. And I usually do. I did think it was a little bit cleaner. There weren't, there was that one Slater baseball pass to Daniels. I (laughs) I was going to mention it. So I'm glad you did. (laughs) That was terrible with whatever, however much time was left that you just wonder, you put your head in your hands and you wonder what's going through their minds. But otherwise I do think they did a pretty decent job. And I think the Providence press was pretty serious at times. So overall, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I listen, I'm still petrified of this yeah. team inbounding the ball. <laughs> still not uh, confident. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the Slater, the Slater pass there was didn't inspire a ton of confidence. I thought they did okay overall. Caleb was kind of put in a tough situation where he may or may not have traveled with about two seconds. Yeah, that left. was an interesting call. Yeah, where yeah. where the pivot foot slid. 
Uh, it's still not great. It's still not something that I feel like I have a ton of confidence in, which is why I think Providence was okay going to the foul line because Cooley was mm-hmm. then able to set up his defense every single time and try and point. force something off the inbounding. Um, was it a little better on Tuesday? Sure. Does it so freak me out? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then second question from Matt talking to uh, about the broadcast apparently mentioned that Jermaine and Caleb in Bill Raftery's opinion are the keys to March success for Villanova. Do you agree with that? I think we made it very clear that we agree with the Caleb part. Um, I, I wonder how, how far to go with this. I don't mean this in a truly negative way because we can go on and on about how much Jermaine has meant to this program, but I'm not sure that his efforts are pushing this team to a new level anymore. And I'm just not confident in him being able to make a shot. I think that has never been his role, but it has been nice when he's been able to do that. And now it's not an option anymore. He still brings it on defense you still need him 100%. He's still that leadership role, but I feel more confident putting my eggs in the Daniels, uh, even Slater X Factor role than I do in Jermaine at this point. Yeah, at that point, I'll just say ditto there, and that yeah. uh, I I'm not I, I can't really put my trust into Samuels to come through for it. He'll do a lot of the little things. Daniels absolutely, and then I would lean more Slater if you're looking for, of course, not the more or less. The two, uh, yeah, answer, exactly. It's so we don't have to make this a whole thing, but I say the word X factor a lot, but I think I need to go back to what the true definition of an X factor is, (laughs) because (laughs) when we talk about this, it's who's going to make a bigger shot. Do I trust the ball in Caleb or Jermaine's hands? That's obviously Caleb, but that doesn't mean it has to be that. Right. So I think it's worth not just saying the buzzword of X factor, but we do have much more trust in Caleb now than we did at the beginning of the season. I think that means something. If you want my honest answer, a fifth year senior should not be a quote X factor. They should be a portion of your team. Um, So, but we don't need to go into that right now. (laughs) I will, I will leave it at that because that is the perfect way to put it. Oh, why? Thank you. Uh, Question from David, a couple of questions actually. So I'll try and phrase them together here. Um, Did this team, perform as expected for you so far this season and does a three seed feel about right you you take this one first i'm curious did the team perform as expected so far this year i'm pretty impressed with what i have seen from this team going back to this year i think a lot of people came in with final four expectations or, or thinking it was possible i'm not sure i fully trust this team as a final four team from kind of some works that we've seen from it so i guess it kind of depends on your expectations there when it comes down to it if they're able to get through the big east season with four losses i don't know how you can be upset with that because yeah. especially with how good this conference has been if you want to say you're upset that they weren't able to get that true marquee win over your UCLA, your Baylor, or Purdue. I get that too, though that Tennessee win continues to look better and better by Much every better. passing day. Yep. I called that, by the way, damn it, um, back, <laughs> back in November. I said watch out for Tennessee. Um, so I, in a convoluted way, yes and no. And I hate that I'm giving a cop-out answer there. And then also three seed absolutely feels right for me. I think three seed is, is where this team should be uh, going into March. I think two would be a gift. Yeah. I, I think I expect Villanova to be a three seed, taking out the East site part of it. Um, I think that first question is really, really interesting. Yeah. 
everyone thought that Villanova would be in the Gonzaga Baylor conversation that we had last year in my mind. And that was because Gillespie and Samuels were back and this team was so old and they were experienced and they're Villanova and they have Jay Wright, yada, yada, yada. So in that case, in the very, very simple terms, I think they underachieved, but they had the toughest non-conference schedule in program history and potentially in the country in one of the strongest years in the big East. Like you said, they had four losses and one quote unquote bad loss at Creighton in the first Mm -hmm. game of the season. They've put a really, really good conference schedule together. And also I think expectations needed to be tempered a bit after the first few games, when we saw what this team really was, when mm-hmm. Slater stopped dropping 20 points, when Jermaine stopped being the offensive force everyone thought he could be, and when we realized we actually had six and a half players on this team. <laughs> Most mostly that. <laughs> right? So I think, I, I agree with you. I do think that this team overperformed, but if you're looking at it from the beginning of the season, the actual right answer might have been the other one. But mm-hmm. I think it's a very nuanced question. It I is. really like it. I like it too. He's got two more questions as well. Should Providence really be crowned as big East champions given the games not played by them? And Mm. finally, I should have grouped this in with the other question. How confident are you that Villanova gets through the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Very confident about the first week. Mm. Um, I wish we had control over that (laughs) about (laughs) Providence and the games played. I think I made my point pretty clear about this. It stinks that they missed those games. It would have been nice to see how they fared, especially in those road settings. But it was because of COVID protocol. I don't think we can spend any time wondering what could have been and cursing the system because that's just what happened. And Volnova's postponed game could have been a UConn as opposed to Temple. And then people would have been talking about Villanova. So you could just, you can make yourself crazy asking those type of questions. I don't think Providence has been tested as much as a Villanova has. If I, that's, that's my answer there. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. I'm perfectly comfortable with them being Big East regular season champions, especially the fact that Villanova then went out and, and swept them on top of that. I mean, just to look back a year ago, Nova only played 15 conference games and, and right. won the regular season. So, right. I think it would be unfair to completely hold them to the fire and say, how could this happen when it happened a year ago and it happened to, uh, to Villanova. Um, I I strongly don't put an asterisk next to Providence. Yes. I think they're not as good as some people. Yeah. 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 That's a different story. (laughs) Yes. But uh, they, uh, they are your big East regular season champs. And then second question, uh, let's see those matchups. I wish you asked me again in two weeks. (laughs) I can give you a much fuller answer, but the first week, First weekend. Uh, there have been some issues um, over the past couple or over the for a little bit for Villanova there. Uh, I do think, yes, this team has the ability to get to a sweet 16. So if I had yep. to go there, I would say yes. Yep. yep. Two more. First one coming in from Brendan Riley here. Or actually three more. Oh, my God. Could not leave this one out. Uh, coming in from Brendan Riley here. Which of these teams would you most want to play that first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Teams he listed. Princeton, Iona, and Towson. And for those reasons, Princeton, just, you know, the local thing, Iona, it speaks for itself with Mr. Patino over there and Towson going kind of CAA uh, Villanova football, which I love. And second round, he put Alabama. Yeah, I really like this question. He again and again exceeds expectations. Every week, Brendan. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I'll be honest, the Towson one doesn't really speak to me. I've never been a huge Nova football person, so 
that's my, my thoughts there. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> um, I think playing Iona would be pretty freaking cool. That would be awesome to play Patino. I know that Eugene would actually, I was going to say he would love that, but maybe he wouldn't. The Eugene Bowl would be amazing. He covers both Iona and Villanova. So it would, it would certainly be easier from a logistics perspective. We'll say that who knows where his, uh, allegiances would lie if you're picking up what I'm putting down (laughs) but um I'm gonna add I mean Syracuse would always be just a phenomenal March Madness opponent they're not even I would say too bad they won't be sniffing the tournament they won't even be particularly close I think I looked them up in the net I think I looked them up in the net and they were like 99 or something today yeah, the, the uh, NIT is probably even too nice for them um, with the season. Which is up. just so embarrassing. They're yeah, 93 right now in the net. That's better than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch, Pat. Ouch. Uh, no, that was the goal. <laughs> so, good. I'm glad it landed. Um, UNC would be another really good second week matchup. Again, they've been kind of iffy too, but they're slowly but surely starting to put it together. But, yeah, I would always love to play Alabama and beat Javon Quinterly. <laughs> uh, from the ones he listed there, Iona would definitely be my choice because I think it would yeah. be just Patino, you know, coaching against the Big East team so with his history cool. uh, yeah. would be fantastic. Um, and, of course, the roots that he has in this conference. And second round looking at Alabama, funny enough, I want no part of Alabama, uh, especially early, because the style matchup is such a nightmare mm-hmm. for Villanova that they are all run and gun underneath that tempo yeah exactly and while that team makes a trillion mistakes and i can certainly see villanova just trying to suck the life out of them and and being a lot more composed i those super athletic really fast running teams i hate that matchup uh as as fun as it would be of course with the quinterly storyline they're kind of a nightmare every season yeah they they have been a weird team this year. They were really good at the beginning, and then they lost a lot of games that nobody thought they would have any problems with, but I still don't want any part of them either. They're St. John's if St. John's was good. Oh, sorry. like that. Sorry. Uh, sometimes sometimes just got to come out and say stuff. Um, I kind of like that, though. Thank you. Uh, three questions from Jerry here. Uh, our guy, Jerry, of course. Is our ability to make free throws going to get us a few more wins at the Big East Tournament and NCAA Tournament? I can answer this real quick. Yes, it it will. Uh, (laughs) No team shoots free throws like Villanova. They continually get to the line. They continually make them. They hit them in the clutch other than a UConn game. Um, So I, uh, I expect that to continue to be a differentiator. A hundred times. Yes, Jerry. Let's roll. Yes. Second question kind of answered it. Do we have enough to reverse the Hinkle curse on Saturday? This, this better be the curse better be done on Saturday. You would hope that it would be done. Yeah. You would really hope that it would be done. Otherwise things are not going to look that good on uh, Sunday or Monday. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) And then third, who do you want to play on Friday night at the big East tournament? (sighs) Anybody, but UConn. anybody, but UConn. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's my answer too. anyone, but UConn. I would love to play Xavier if it works out. I think Villanova can handle them pretty easily. Listen, if we had to look at the the full matchup and what it would mean, Villanova-UConn on Friday night at Madison Square Garden would be unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. It would be incredible. But in terms of matchup-wise, I want no part of the Huskies. It means they might lose. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So factoring that in um, makes it a little difficult. It would give them a really good, a really good win. Again, it would be neutral site, but I think that would be a really nice win to bolster the resume one last time. But again, they have the chance to lose and I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. 
And then we have one last question coming in from our friends at the full 40. What are the best Big East Twitter accounts? And you can slice best however you want to. I'm happy with this one. I like I that too. we're able to talk about this right now. Yeah, so am I. I, I have so many to go through, so I was not able to uh, to uh, put that down. Yeah, I so I have two. Um, of course, I could list off a million. I think Villanova specifically has one of the most robust yes. podcast, Twitter, website, content sites out there of all the schools. I think Villanova truly does such a good job, and I don't mean that in a biased way. I also think UConn does a really good job. There are a ton of good ton of really good UConn podcasts out there. I'm going to shout out two. The first is Henry Eisenberg. Oh, I had him too. Yeah, he's a high school student. I'm impressed. He has been putting in the work. Yes. Pat, I believe he roots for DePaul. He does. But he comments on all Big East happenings. He he does post-game thoughts and recaps, and he's able to go to games. I believe he, he will be a credentialed media member for the Big East tournament, so... I love that he's doing this all for himself again in high school and he has such a good pulse on everything that's happening. It's really impressive. Keep grinding Henry. Cause it's, yeah. it's so cool to see. I, I've enjoyed following him this year as well. So I'm, I had him on my list too. Yeah. It's funny. And then my other one is that they're actually a relatively new account, but I think they do a really good job. It's big East bar room. Yep. Like them too. They, they live tweet during games. My favorite thing that they do is they give out, the a player of the game shout at the end of every game, which I love. It, it's a nice compilation of stats and just some X factor moments that you wouldn't get just, just from looking at the box score. Um, and he gave Caleb Daniels the player of the game after the Nova Providence game. So Amen. I think he does a good job of, again, the, the Big East is so much to keep track of. So for these accounts that are conference specific, as opposed to just school specific, I give so much props because it is, so much work so we see everybody and i'm sorry i couldn't shut out more but I, th- I truly think this conference does such a good job i would say i'll trust me i'm gonna run through a couple here yeah um, do it. because I, I couldn't uh not do this well the first one we'll start off with i kind of like those full 40 guys and that account they're um, pretty good <laughs> so they're fun uh your obvious ones uh dane o'neill and john fanta of course oh, yeah. you know o'neill's not as much big east oriented anymore with the athletic doing a ton of things and then fanta is literally mr big east with yeah, traveling yeah. to games, How did I not do free that? game oh with covering it. We got to talk to him earlier this season and he was phenomenal. Um, so I had to go them view hoops crew as well. Got to give shout outs. Brendan Riley, Eugene repay and Chris Lane are, are just a few of them that I really enjoy uh, following. And, and there are many, many more uh, Kim Adams does a great mm-hmm. job as well. Uh, I know has worked with Fanta before I do enjoy um, reading her stuff. Nova Tip Time, our friend over there, I think does a, a spectacular job going with Villanova-centric content content uh, with the pregame show. How could we leave off another guest, Alan Ray? Oh, my God. Plenty of Big East commentary from Alan and had such a blast talking with him. Uh, you said Henry, and then I've got some, uh, some other accounts that's more school-specific. There's a J.P. Carlissimo account, that's Seton Hall, <laughs> that I always enjoy reading his uh, interactions there's anonymous Eagle from Marquette, which I oh, think yeah. can put out some, uh, some the Woj article. Yes. The, one of the best articles I've ever read. Um, and then I feel so bad. I don't know this person's handle, but so the best way I can put it is the Yukon guy that is everywhere. And he's got the, uh, like the retro Husky logo as his, uh, his profile. Oh, yeah. And I think he's actually in every single biggies Twitter space ever. Um, everywhere. He's Let me loved, look it up right now. We got to name him. I say I couldn't. I couldn't name Mr. him. Mr. Hot Balls is another good <laughs> account too. <laughs> Great. Um, 
and uh, uh, no escalators is the is it is that it yeah, yeah and no escalators he he loves to take shots at providence as well which yep. always makes me laugh so that's a long list but as you can tell there's a ton of great accounts out there a ton of great people following this conference and there's so much content and so much good stuff and i apologize to people i left off because there are just so much good things out there so many yeah. good things excuse me. no we could spend an entire podcast and honestly it's such an honor for Pat and I to be involved in this. And yeah. we've, we've said that so many times all season long about how, how lucky we feel and how happy we are that we get to do this and, and to interact with so many people. And Jared Kotler is another really good UConn podcast too. that just popped into my head, but so everybody is so good at what they do and so nice. And I hope that we get to see a lot of these people at the Big East tournament, because I think for the first time in a few years, like we said on Tuesday, a lot of people are going to come together at MSG. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Going to be a ton of fun. So can't wait. Oh, we're it. close, Pat. We, we're close. We are so close. But can I just say, too? This yeah. is our last preview episode. Well, for regular season. For regular season. It's yeah, actually it's... not even remotely close. Forget I just said that. Well, it's our last regular season preview episode. Regular okay. season preview. We've got a more coming. emotional. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I would say it's crazy how fast we've gone. I know. Yeah. But all right. That'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for plenty of Villanova article content. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter at SONNPod. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy the Nova game on Saturday, and we will be back at it on Tuesday. Nova Nation, that's a wrap.